Welcome to episode 41 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. On the day of this recording, it is April 20th, 2023, 6.24 a.m. Been awake since 3.30 because I, I fell asleep immediately when I got home from dinner yesterday and I just woke up and ended up, you know, I think I got up to go to the bathroom and I started looking at my phone and I then it was just I started to feel awake and that's what's going on so I'm kind of I'm two cups of coffee in feeling pretty wired and tired one of those kind of feelings I feel pretty good right now but we'll see how long that lasts I mean, if anything, hopefully it'll put me on a, a better sleep schedule as long as I resist the urge to take a nap. I like being on this schedule because right now I feel like I have a lot of time to work with, which is why I'm doing a podcast. I usually feel like I don't have enough time. I don't have time to do a podcast, sit down and talk for like an hour, but since I got up so early, not really by choice, but now I have all this time, um, which, I mean, things have been very busy. Um, I mean, I got a new keyboard probably like t- a week or two weeks ago, and I haven't even, I just took it out of the box yesterday. I haven't even plugged it in yet. I haven't ever even had a chance to mess with it, um, which is crazy because, you know, I love getting new instruments and playing with new gear, and it was just in the box that it was shipped in for, like, a week, um, just because I was was so preoccupied with the album and getting ready for the shows and just doing all of this other preparation stuff for the upcoming, you know, playing season and beyond so definitely very have been very occupied recently which is a good thing and it's it's all for chalk dinosaur which is also a good thing and not the norm um for me to to put so much time into chalk dinosaur which is nice you know since we since we stopped playing in November. That's when we played our last show. Uh, We recorded the album at a studio in November, which the album was just released this week. um, Well, last week. And um, it's called Stuck In Between. And so we recorded that in November. And then for the next few months, I was very consumed. So much every day of my time was spent just uh working on those and um in that time we also we started working with a manager rob chafin uh of he's the drummer and one of the songwriters for the works which is a uh prominent band in the jam scene and um i mean since we started working with him he found us a 
a very fitting booking agent, um, Sam Hutchinson from Pivotal Agency. And having those two um, working with us has been like a cheat code. Um, just like their experience and knowledge in all of the areas of, uh, you know, booking and what kind of prices are appropriate to ask for, what kind of like, I don't know, just like all these things that I didn't really know about. And, you know, I mean, I'm not inexperienced because I've been, you know, booking my own shows for like 15 years now, since 2008. But I've never gone past the level of local. I mean, I've played a couple shows out of town, played a couple festivals. And the, the festivals that we've played, when I was acting as, you know, booking agent and manager, those were, those were invitations. I didn't, we didn't get those because I was reaching out to these events. I, I did try that for a little while. I didn't have any luck with it. And then at a certain point, um, I started getting invitations to do festivals somehow through the grapevine. I guess people involved heard the music or heard a reference and uh, got in touch with me to ask if we could play, which was, I mean, it's kind of amazing that we got any, we got to play any of the things we did. I feel like Ben Pentagar is uh, at the root of most of this and just like anybody knowing about us. So thank you, Ben, for just always uh, spreading the awareness and um, just like telling everybody about Chalk Dinosaur. I feel like he's he's helped so much uh, since you know since I met him in 2015. But anyway, so yeah, since November I've just been consumed with getting the album together, um, getting, like, music together for, well, I, I was releasing the singles, too, during that time, getting our, like, our duo set together, because that's, that's going to be the primary touring band, me and my brother Nick, so getting music ready for that, and getting videos made for that, and getting, um, just getting like our setup, like equipment-wise, figured out. I'm still doing that. Um, had to get some cases and trying out a new synthesizer to replace the uh, the Moog, which is one of the the keyboard on. I, I usually have like a two keyboard setup. The one on the top, it's I I really like it, but it. Uh, I mean, it's big, and the case for it is huge, and it just takes up a lot of space. So we're trying to uh, we're trying to have everything fit in my Toyota Rav Four, and we were successful when I brought one keyboard. If I bring two keyboards, we could probably still make it work. But I feel like I needed to downsize my one of my keyboards to make it all fit, and then. You know, we're we're also preparing to do fly dates. Um, 
So need to get together a set that we can play with minimal gear, stuff that we can fly with and have that actually be reasonable. So we're preparing for that. We probably have a couple months to get that together, but I just ordered a, uh, a pedal board, a smaller one with a hard case. I'm going to kind of build a new pedal board, I think, like smaller pedals to replace the ones I have. Try to just make everything very compact. Um, so yeah, we've been writing new music for the duo, and I've been working on the album with uh, overdubs, and um, we had some overdubs for for John, and I was overdubbing some of my stuff. Um, we recorded the meat, the meat of the sound. You know, we we did all the songs as live takes, and then um, just went back and you know, replaced some of the guitar solos uh, that maybe didn't turn out so good in the studio since we only did about, like, three takes of each song. Which I really like recording that way. Everybody together, three takes of each song, just, like, come into the studio as if it were a show, like, ready to go. And then just, you know, if, if something didn't turn out the way we wanted, we could just redo it. Um, and within, you know, with three takes, there will be enough drum material for me to piece together something if if we didn't get one totally all the way through. And the benefits of recording at the studio is you get complete isolation. So the drum, even though we're all playing together in the same room, Every instrument is completely isolated, which means if we need to replace anything or edit anything, we can do that. Um, as opposed to if we were to record all in my basement all together, there would be a lot of bleed. So, you know, the drum mics would be picking up the bass and the guitar. So you can't, you're, you're a lot more restricted with how you are able to edit and work on those recordings. You're pretty much tied to, you got to get one take all the way through, which we could, we could totally do that if we kind of went into it with that mindset. Maybe we'll try that for the next one. But um, being able to all be playing in the same room, I feel like is a... It's uh, important for trying to capture the, the band. Um, you know, when I record stuff by myself, it's piece by piece, obviously, because I'm only one person... Or when I work on a recording maybe with Nick, it's also pretty much one layer at a time. I mean, except for these videos that we, we just have been releasing on YouTube, those were both of us playing at the same time. And those, uh, you know, those, those turned out good. There, there's something about recording a group playing together. Like even when it's just the two of us, like me and Nick, or if it's the four of us, recording it together produces some kind of, there, there's some kind of energy or gel or something that doesn't happen when you do it layer by layer, or it's very hard to capture that. 
And I would always try to capture that if I was doing recordings by myself, trying to get into, I mean, kind of just like envisioning it being played, you know, at a show or something when I'm doing like a performance or something. It's hard to get into that energy whenever you're, um, you know, recording in a vacuum with headphones, everything's very controlled. And you can get a, you can get a very controlled sound, but what you miss is some of the liveliness and energy that you get when you play together. And I've, I've realized and also noticed that whenever we play together, uh, we play differently, like we play our instruments differently, play with different velocity, a different energy. And, you know, I've noticed that with, you know, with, with drums, whenever we're all playing in a room together, the drums... I feel like Nick plays more lively. Same with the guitar. Like, uh, my playing is different whenever we're all playing together. Um, and I've noticed the same thing for, for John, too, especially with his improvised solos. You know, whenever we're all playing together, um, they're different. And I feel like they usually have a higher level of energy and uh, just it's it's just different. It just turns out different than you know recording piece by piece, and um, definitely wanted to capture that for the album. And um, anyway, that came out last Saturday when we had our uh, album release show at the Thunderbird. Um, we did two nights in a row. We did Friday night. We played in um, Columbus at the Summit Music Hall with a band called Disgo. And they've been a very active band in, in kind of our sphere of uh, jam, kind of like funk dance jam music they've been um they've been playing a lot and uh, it seems like they've been gathering some uh good momentum but stylistically you know it's a pretty good fit um so the show on friday was was great it's every show at the summit in columbus has been really great uh we were a little worried there weren't that many people there at first, like when the doors open and then, you know, shortly before we began, a bunch of people came and the room filled out. Sound was good. It sounded really good for me on stage, which is, wait a minute. Well, actually it wasn't, it's never perfect. It's, it's really hard to get the monitor mix you know, just right. So it was pretty good. Um, the, uh, and the show on Saturday, that was pretty good too. I really need to switch to some in-ear something. I think I'm going to try a hardwired in-ear monitor setup. So usually what we do is and this is pretty standard for any 
band that hasn't made a you know some kind of investment or time you know made like made a jump to something better but the standard is just floor wedges you know i have a speaker on the floor in front of me that is playing back the sounds and uh you know we communicate with the guy running the sound uh to you know provide uh, more you know i need to hear more of john's guitar i need to hear more of my guitar i need to hear more of the keyboards and kind of just like that's what the sound checks for and everybody has their own you know they have a speaker in front of them their what's coming out of their speaker is is different than what's coming out of my speaker everybody's got their own monitor mix and uh what we started doing with Nick was since he's already got headphones in cause he's, I, I'm sending him the click track and any of like our backing tracks or like electronic instruments, um, to his mixer. He's got a mixer back by him that he plugs his headphones into. So he's got a direct connection to the, the metronome and like the, the master clock, which is very essential for our, live show that he has that um and he has control of how loud that is so it never gets drowned out and um we discovered that you know normally he would have a wedge next to him a speaker wedge that would you know he'd have his own monitor mix but we found out that you could just unplug the cord from that speaker and plug it into the mixer and then he could get that coming through his headphones the monitor mix um which is kind of what's been missing, I feel like, for him because before, you know, all he was getting in his headphones was the keyboards, the metronome, and, like, backing track stuff. And so he was a little bit disconnected, I feel like, from us. Like, you couldn't really hear us that well. Couldn't probably... He probably couldn't hear his drums that well because he had the, you know, uh, headphones in. So with the, now, if he plugs in that XLR monitor mix into the, his mixer, he can now, like, turn up or down, like, whatever his monitor mix would, would have been coming out of the speaker. Now it's just going into his ears. So now he could get, you know, signal from the guitars and the vocals. He could get everything. And so I, I've been wanting to try that, but I just, I'm, I'm always, like, I don't know why I haven't tried it yet. I guess I'm worried about like trying something new for like a big show. Um, but I feel like that would be really nice to, you know, instead of my monitor mix coming out of a speaker on the floor, I just have it come into my headphones and then I've got a volume control on a, uh, you know, a waist pack, like a belt pack. Um, the only problem is I'll be tethered to a cord, but I don't really move around. I, you know, I kind of stay in my four, four square foot area anyway. So I'd rather be able to hear than be able to move around. And it's a lot simpler than say going all the way with a wireless in-ear monitor setup, which has always deterred me because it's, it's so nice, but it's really daunting to do that 
on your own. I feel like if we had somebody helping us specifically with monitors in your monitors and they just set up that system and, you know, knew how to do that, that then I would do it. But as far as like, you know, we've seen several bands that have figured out how to do it and they bring their own rig and it's like, it's a big investment and it's, it adds a lot of complexity to your setup. And, um, ah, man, but yeah, like if we had someone to do that and that was their job while we did everything else, they, they were working, they were getting the monitor thing set up. That would be nice because I was listening back to the recording of the show from Saturday, which went really great. That was our best hometown show ever in terms of attendance. Uh, it was 311 tickets sold, which was you know, that's definitely the best that we've had um, as like a headliner. It's probably about double what we had last time we headlined. And, um, but I was listening back to the recording and also just like when we're playing, I know that if we could hear with headphones on, with the in-ear monitors, our sound would be a lot more controlled because whenever you're using the traditional, you know, wedge monitoring system, you're, you're kind of fighting the acoustics of the room a lot. So you can't hear your guitar. It's getting drowned out. You're in the middle of a song. You can't ask for them to turn it up because you're in the middle of a song. So maybe you turn your guitar louder and it starts feeding back or like, I don't know. There's just, or you start playing harder, like uh, start plucking harder because you can't hear yourself. So you you play harder so that you can hear what you're doing. And then whenever I listen back to the recording, I can hear that. And it's, you know, it doesn't sound as good as if I were to be playing just how I normally play. So it definitely made me want to investigate a little more with the, some kind of in-ear monitoring system that is simple Um, because it's already like stressful enough for me as it is to get set up at a change you know when there's bands changing over and we have you know 15 minutes or so to to get set up because I you know I've got a little bit more complex of a setup although it's I'm trying to simplify everything as much as possible but you know I definitely want to be able to have in-ear monitoring of some sort. I just I just know that that would make us tighter and just make playing a lot. It, it would kind of take out the room acoustic variable. Um, of course, you could still have a bad monitor mix and it would be going right into your you know headphones. But so maybe that would only be something I'd do if we had a, a decent sound check. Um, but yeah, Friday was great at the summit with disco. Saturday was excellent at the Thunderbird. Uh, our friend Joe Marino, he, he set up a whole bunch of cameras and I recorded multi-track audio. So we should hopefully have some good videos from there. And, um, man, but I was listening to some of them and I'm always just so hyper aware of all the mistakes and stuff all the things that didn't go 
quite right whenever I like right after a show. So when I listen back to the recordings, I feel like a lot of times I'm like, oh, like I don't really, this, I feel like this isn't that good. Um, but then usually after some time passes by and maybe I listen to the set in a more passive capacity, like if if we're hanging out and we put the set on kind of, we're not paying super close attention to it, then then I'll usually realize like, oh, that was pretty good. Um, but I know that I could definitely do better. Um, I think it, I think it sounded good in the room to me, like the energy felt good, but whenever you listen to the recording, it exposes everything because you don't have the shroud of like acoustic echo and reverb to kind of muddle the details. You, I'm getting the multi-track audio from the close mics and like, the vocal is like dry. Um, so it's very revealing and uh, not always, yeah, it's always a little bit like, like I, this sounded better to me when we were there. <laughs> and then the challenge becomes, how do I make this live recording sound and feel like it did in the Thunderbird or, you know, in the room that night? And, uh, I feel like one of the things that I haven't tried yet that I want to is that I feel like would help with this is to have some room mics set up, you know, by the soundboard, just a stereo set of room mics. That's something that I've been missing from all of these multi-track direct uh, recordings. I need that room sound. I feel like to really capture, you know, the character of the venue. Cause I, I try to uh, approximate it with, and you know adding an artificial reverb trying to make it sound like it's in a room like a club to some degree because i notice whenever i whenever i mix a live recording whenever i started doing it i i mixed it the same way i would mix a studio recording which is very like clean and tight i feel like is kind of what i uh dry um i don't know that's kind of the style that i go for just like very controlled and tight and then but then I, I discovered that one it doesn't sound like it did in the venue with like a lively room and two whenever I put that type of sounding recording when I paired it up with video from the venue it looked really weird because we're playing in this big room and there's this really dry sound um, so I started messing around with adding more reverb to like everything you know sending everything to a reverb to simulate that room sound and it really helped to have like the video up while I was like messing around with how much reverb I should add like how wet the sound should be and it's pretty surprising like how much I had to crank the reverb up for it to look natural with the sound like for what my ears were hearing to match you know what my eyes were seeing so I think having an actual room mic would make a big difference for that but um, yeah. What else was I gonna? What else was I gonna say here? Um, just that the album's out. We uh, we're gonna have a a pretty busy year, and I feel like next year we'll definitely like this year we're getting the gears going. And I mean, Rob and Sam have already made a huge impact for us. 
and and have gotten us some really good uh, opportunities to play and a, a much better much better uh, payment for those shows as well. So what do we have? We have summer camp, the Papadozio summer sequence, Asheville festival. That would be cool. Summer camps in Illinois. That's a that's a big. I think it's like thirty thousand people festival. I went there in 2014 with my friend group, and uh, it was great. Um, so it'll be cool to go back and be playing this time. Flood City in Johnstown. That looked pretty cool. There was like a. I feel like I'm not. I could be wrong, but I think it's like an amphitheater, like on a river or something. Not positive about that, but that looks cool. Dome Fest, Legend Valley. Love Dome Fest. It's like a, it's a very nice size, and I love Legend Valley, the venue in Ohio. We're gonna play two sets for that one. So we're still trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Um, but we have two sets. We have a forty-five minute earlier in the day set, five o'clock, and then we have a late night, like two thirty a.m., seventy-five minute set. So, um, trying to figure out which, like, I want to do one of the sets as the duo and one of the sets as the full band. So we're trying to figure out which one we should put where. And then, um, we have, uh, Secret Dreams, another festival, a little bit more electronic leaning, um, than Dome Fest. Dome Fest is more rock and jam but uh secret dreams is in august that festival looks great it's at legend valley and um we'll be we'll be playing a late night set on thursday and then the next day we'll be going to Garefest, which we haven't played there since 2019 Garefest small festival um with a lot of people that we know and uh we you know we haven't been there in four years so we'll see we'll see what Garefest is like it was really fun last time um so we're gonna have to pace ourselves on thursday it's gonna be a late night and we're gonna have to sleep and then it's not that far of a drive but mainly just like sleeping is gonna be essential so we gotta figure out a way to make sure that we you know get at least six hours of sleep possible And then, um, yeah, this West Virginia festival, Functafest, in uh, September. I don't, I forget the name of the town, but we're playing at an after party there. And the deal was very good. So we'll be, we'll get, be getting paid well for that. Um, yeah, I guess it's been a while since I've done one of these, so I'd probably have so much so much to say. I I'm not exactly sure if I'm gonna keep going with the singles. I've kinda hit okay, so I I, I started last year in March, I think. Either March or April. 
started releasing or a single every month and i did that for 12 months um so i have 12 songs now on the album that's i'm going to release a full length of all those singles and it's going to be called punch funk love you know same album cover with the tiger the baby blue with the tiger and the plan is to put that out before secret dreams um which would make sense because it's more electronic of an album. More of the stuff we would do as a duo. Um, but, you know, it was, there's still a few months I could, and I have a lot of ideas that I haven't finished yet for that. But, you know, after, uh, let's see, in March, so in February, I had released the 12th single and then in march i released stuck in between the single from our new album to kind of just get people's attention about the new album that's coming out and then in april released our you know full band full length album so i'm not sure for may yeah not sure what i'm gonna do but it might be a good natural time to just pinch that album off, save the ideas, the other ideas I have for another one and focus on what we have directly in front of us, which is, you know, creating more music and refining the music we have for the duo set, which um, is going to be like the touring act for the majority of the shows so we want to kind of refresh that, the stuff that, um, you know, me and Nick play. And then um, definitely work on more band stuff. But right now we just released that band album. So right now I feel like getting some stuff together that we play as a duo is probably the most, the next most important thing. More so than the singles that I'm making independently. Um, just want to have something, just want to be able to release something that will align with what people are going to hear at the shows, uh, when they come and see us. And right now, you know, we've got the, you know, the full band album, which represents that, but we, we need something for the, the duo. We've been getting together twice a week, me and Nick, to either write new music or work on new ideas that we can perform or um, practice our set and get our sets together. So we're trying to have we're trying to have a set ready for 60 minutes, 75 minutes, 90 minutes. Probably should have a 45 minute set idea too. Um, making videos and I also need to do a little bit of contingency planning for possible, you know, situations we might face in terms of, you know, what 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 are the worst possible things that could uh, occur at a show? Like what pieces of equipment breaking would uh, totally be um, catastrophic and like what, what will the plan be there? And I think I already have a plan for that because I, I remember doing this... Uh, before I kind of like settled down a bit I think I got 
I got super paranoid about technical failures. That was the thing that gave me the most stress. Like, what if something doesn't work or what if something behaves? um, Yeah, just like I I rely, especially when I was performing by myself, I relied really heavily upon certain pieces of gear. And if those were to fail, you know, I would need something else to be able to do. So the contingency plan... Okay, so the piece of equipment that I rely on the most for the duo set is a piece of equipment called the Octatrack, which is uh, it's a box, <laughs> an electric, electric rectangle. It's just a piece of equipment that plays back audio, and it, it also plays the metronome. It keeps everything in sync, and... Um, it also produces, yeah, most of the sound that comes out. Like, all my keyboards run into it. It produces its own sounds. And it produces the master clock and the metronome that keeps everything together. So that piece of equipment is definitely the crux. I don't know if that's the right word. It's, like, the most important part of uh, our setup. So contingency plan number one... I have a backup memory card always in case like for some reason the memory card gets like corrupt or like doesn't work. My first thing I'll try, put in the backup memory card. I always have like two identical cards, you know, loaded with the same project. If that doesn't work, I'll try the backup Octatrack. I have two Octatracks because I got very paranoid that I relied so heavily upon it. And I was like, I need to have a backup. So, try the backup Octatrack. If that fails, then it's the doomsday plan. And I have an iPod. Um, I have an iPod and a splitter. So, I have an iPod and I, I made these like emergency tracks. So, the emergency tracks are, you know, the backing tracks, like the electronic bass and like beat stuff uh i made that panned all the way to the left in mono and then i had a metronome track and i panned that all the way to the right and then i use a splitter coming out of the iphone or the yeah iphone or ipod so i can send the click on its own channel to nick i can send the tracks like the backing tracks i can send that also to Nick, and then from Nick's mixer, I could send an auxiliary send of the uh, backing tracks to the front of the house sound, to the sound guy. So that's the doomsday solution. Like, it's a lot harder with the two-piece to have, I I guess you gotta think more ahead, because, you know, when you got the whole band, the doomsday solution is to just jam and just play, but when it's just me and Nick, it's like, it's a lot less interesting with just two people, especially since I'm not skilled enough at my instruments to make that like an interesting thing. Maybe, I don't know. Now, I feel like you got to be really good to for that to be. In- like Lucas Bauman, he, he was a guest at our show. He played on four songs. He played on Stuck in Between, 
pattern recognition, Agude Papa, Jeff Sharp, and he also played on Taxman, which is the only cover we did in the past like four or five years or something. But he's he's just so good at keyboard and piano and organ and just like all keyboard stuff. Like I could listen to him play um, just by himself. Uh, like listening to him sound check was very cool. But I don't have his skills uh, or expertise. So I rely on the complexity of, not the complexity, but just the sum of, you know, the whole equation to make the show interesting. And, um, you know, that's the, that, that's a cool power to have though. If you're like, if you have like virtuoso abilities and skills, you can just put on a show by yourself. And that's, I guess I, I, I guess I could, I guess I did put on shows by myself, but it was always with the help of a bunch of other equipment and things. It wasn't just me and an instrument. Um, I have done stuff like that with just like an acoustic guitar and my voice. So I, I could do that maybe. And that's, that's different though. That's, that's like songwriting. Um, that's a different skill than, you know, instrumental skill. Like, um, than playing. I mean, you have to be able to play to to do the songs, but you don't have to be that good at your instrument to like play a entertaining song. I'm trying to uh, trying to get more comfortable with that. Definitely want to work in some more some more songs with with lyrics and vocals, and I have a ton of them, and we don't you know, it's kind of weird. Like I don't ever play like my best songs. I feel like in terms of songwriting. Um, so maybe we'll change that and, and try to work a couple of the songs that I feel like are my strongest in, into our repertoire so we could, you know, change things up. Trying to get more comfortable with, with singing. It's one of those things that like, Probably by the end of the summer, I'll feel, like, I feel pretty comfortable singing now, but I don't feel satisfied with the results whenever I hear them. Whenever I hear the recording, it's always like, okay, some of the, some of that sounded good, but it's, it's not, I'm not executing the way that I can in my basement, in the studio, in a controlled setting. And it's like a weird skill to be able to execute in like the chaotic live environment where the acoustics are all different and you can't hear yourself as well. Um, everything's loud. It's kind of disorienting. It, it's a totally, it's weird. It, that's the only way I can describe it is disorienting and because it sounds so much different than where you practice. And, um, you, you can hear so much less good, less well. So I would imagine, like, listening to the Thunderbird show, I was, like, pretty satisfied, but there were some parts where I'm like, ew, like, I, 
missed that note or like I just didn't have good control of my voice or my tone. And I would imagine that by the end of summer, I'll probably be be able to like hit the songs and feel feel good about the way that I executed the vocals. I think that's that's kind of what happened last summer. Like by the time by the time we did summer dance, I feel like I was finally like had got the singing down to a point where I felt uh, you know satisfied with how it was sounding. But it's one of those things that you can't prepare for the chaos of the show in terms of the acoustics chaos in the acoustics and just like the way everything sounds is, is totally different. And, uh, like whenever (laughs) I feel like I, I, we were practicing tax man in the basement and we got it down, you know, we got it down good. I felt like I, I got the vocals. I felt good on the vocals. And then on the day of the show, we went through it at soundcheck and I just like forgot all the words, uh, which was a little bit alarming because I felt like I had that song down. And then whenever we started to run it, like I was saying, like the disorienting sound like throws you off or throws me off. Um, and it's like, so that's just another level of knowing the song where you're not, where you don't waver from distractions like um you know it so well that you don't have to be really concentrating on trying to remember it because if you're in that place if i'm in that place where i have to really concentrate to remember the words then any distractions will will make me you know i won't be able to get through the distractions um and it's it's kind of hard to simulate that um i guess the best way i feel like uh if i try to sing through the song i I noticed it was really hard for me to sing through the song in a noisy environment where there was conversations and I, i remember like practicing in the green room just very softly just going through the lyrics to try to remember them get them like kind of fresh and kind of solid in my memory and I remember it being really hard with the conversations and just like the ambient noise so I feel like that maybe that's a good test put on something in the background that's kind of loud and distracting and then try to sing the song and then if I can still get through it without you know pausing to have to remember anything then then I'm good But um yeah it's it's going to be an interesting year uh especially I mean we're I feel like there's a difference now because we are like working with Rob and Sam we're planning you know 6 plus months in advance um not only with the shows but with the releases like um Rob had good idea put out punch funk love before before um secret dreams festival in august and then try to shoot for having the duo album in you know winter 
um, or maybe early 2024. And just like thinking that far in advance was just something that I've never done with uh, music releases. I, I just like was have always been very short-sighted and, you know, as soon as I finish something, I'm like, all right, let's put it out. Um, it's never like, all right, I have this thing finished. When do I want to strategically, you know, place this release? Never, never was that. So it's, it's good. And it, it gives me a sense of sustainability with the release, with a released kind of schedule like that, because I've already got Punch Funk Love. I could release that now. But if I want to, I could add some more songs to it. But, you know, um, that, that, that will provide like a fresh batch of music every six months um, for, you know, for the listeners. And um, that feels, feels good. And uh, yeah, I'm just amazed at uh, like how much, how much uh, people will pay bands compared to what I was being paid before. I don't know if I should discuss exact things, but it's instantly made a big difference when we had experienced, you know, booking and management working out the deals. Because I guess they just know what the actual value is of, you know, certain things. And so I guess... uh we're being severely underpaid for a while. Um, just never knew what is an appropriate cost to ask for, price to ask for at, at you know certain events. And you know, the price definitely changes depending on the event and if the event has sponsors and if it's or if it's like a corporate event or if it's private or if it's whatever definitely changes but i have no sense of how much is is uh, appropriate for what scenario so i'm really glad that i don't have to do that and and i have people working with us that are you know have expertise and a lot of a lot of experience and just knowledge in that area about like what's an appropriate amount to ask for based on our current position and, um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, this is a period of time. This is a definitely a transition period. Uh, it's definitely a significant transition happening because my former method of <laughs> like supporting myself with the TV, writing the TV music that has dried up like almost entirely uh in terms of the mu- like I can still do it for one of the companies I work for but that company they don't pay anything up front you only get paid if it gets used in a show so there's no guarantee that you'll get anything from it for the work that you put in and if you do it won't be for like 9 months so it's very very off in the future you're kind of hedging your bet for the future if you the more I do in the present. 
Um, but the other company that I work for that would pay up front and also on the back end, I haven't been getting anything from them for like the whole year. Um, so I'm not sure why, but what's, you know, I've made over probably like 1300 tracks for TV since I started in 2012. And that massive amount of tracks that I've made is what has been supporting me in this past year where I haven't had any like paying work. I mean, I, I have had random jobs. Um, I mixed, mixed handful of music for John Henderson, our guitar player. I mixed some stuff for stone throwers. I, I was doing karaoke tracks for a while where, you know, I was hired to recreate classic or modern pop songs with no vocals, you know, for karaoke. Um, bunch of random stuff. Just, I was doing design work for a brewery. Like my, bro my brother's, one of my older brother's friends opened a brewery and I'm, I'm like their graphic designer. Uh, I don't make that like pseudo dudo made the designs. I, I was just doing like formatting stuff with his artwork, just like formatting and text things. But still, it was just a lot of random stuff to just, I was making sample packs for an app. That, that was pretty cool. That's still like an ongoing thing. I could, I could still do that. But it's kind of the absence of like that other work has, I mean, it's at a, it's come at a time when now this window is open for us to make some serious progress with the band and, or, you know, just as with Chalk Dinosaur as a performing artist entity. So now seems like the time for me to, you know, direct all of my efforts into that. And that's what I've been doing since, I don't know, for the whole year, definitely since November. It's just, I really haven't had much time to do anything else other than things to kind of propel Chalk Dinosaur. So I'm, I'm putting all my eggs, not all my eggs, but putting most of my eggs in this basket because this window is open right now and I feel like this is the opportunity. This is like the, uh, the best like combination of forces and, and uh, components that we that has been available so far um, that could actually propel chalk dinosaur into a a place where it's um, a career something that could support us or me or whoever is on board um and that's it's coming at a good time because like my previous you know career is kind of disintegrated uh so now it's time to try to make my my artistry my career and if it doesn't work out you know at least i'll have given it a proper shot and i don't think we're gonna have a better opportunity than working with sam and rob um who actually you know they have the knowledge 
the network, the expertise to to really push us to another level if we, you know, hold up our end on the music and just putting out good content, um, trying to just be as good as we can. So it, it should be interesting. It's, it's, it's kind of cool because I've always thought about that. Like, well, what if I just like stopped doing all this other stuff and just, you know, dove into the chalk dinosaur trying to make that work. But I didn't really know how to do that. Um, I don't really know where to even begin other than just releasing a bunch of music and trying to build our live following. But after, yeah, now with the booking agent, the manager, they know what to do and they have the, uh, you know, connections and knowledge to, to help us do that. So now I feel like this is the time that I'm, I'm comfortable going all in on this at this point and, uh, seeing what happens and kind of by not like circumstances kind of forcing it. Cause it's like, well, this is the best opportunity I have right now. I don't have, I don't have the opportunities that I used to in composing, um, and also, like, this is kind of what I'm more passionate about, but was never a viable career choice. So that's that's what's going on now, and I've kind of accepted, you know, probably going to lose some money um, during this transition, and that's okay. I just uh, have stopped worrying about that and just uh, trying to, do whatever I can to make this work out um, and just to be ready for the opportunities that will be presented in the future and just make sure we just put our best foot forward with, with everything that we do and um, see how it goes, you know? If it doesn't work out, I can always just get a job at Poor Richard's Ten and Bar next to my house or doing some other thing those jobs will always be available if i really need to do that um but i think i would i would regret not going all in on this situation um given this opportunity with the support that we have right now so that's what we're doing me and nick are going to be the primary touring band John and Michael will join join us on certain shows, um, special occasions, you know, appropriate fitting shows. Uh, they'll be on, and we'll play those shows as a four-piece. <clears throat> but I'm really happy that we're able to have the flexibility to do both, and our manager, Rob, and booking agent, Sam, understand, you know, what we're doing there, and doesn't seem to give them any like confusion or problem that you know chalk dinosaur exists as a duo and a quartet um which was always kind of like i didn't really know how to deal with that or like what to do about that um kind of identity like split 
identities. But um, I think it's uh, I think the plan is pretty good. Like we'll, duo, me and Nick will be doing the bulk of the touring, and then on certain select shows we'll we'll do those as a full full band. That way, we can continue to do all the things that we like as a full band, but we can also continue to push Chalk Dinosaur without needing the full commitments of, of all four of us, which, you know, isn't, isn't possible. So I'm happy about that. can keep playing as a band and can also push forward as a duo. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm going to wrap this one up, but I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. Um, I think I was actually going to like talk about fitness or something, but I'll do another one for that. I, I guess this is just a kind of a recap. Kind of just started talking and didn't stop. But um, yeah, Chalk Dinosaur Podcast, episode 40 draws to a close here on this fine morning of April 20th, 2023, 7.30 a.m. It's going to be a beautiful day out. It's going to be real warm, real nice, real wonderful spring day. Hopefully, the weather forecast changes because the next week it looks like it's going to get cold again, but that's okay. I'm going to soak it in today. And I know that warm summer weather is coming. It's inevitable. And it will be here soon. Before you know it. Because it's almost May. And that's crazy. Alright. Well. Check out the new album. And um, check out the new videos on YouTube. On the Chalk Dinosaur YouTube. Um, Alright. Well. See ya.